Can I ask you a quick question? How many of us would love to live in the fullness of the favor of God? Are you a little like me though sometimes you look around and it appears that other people have a little more of that than you do? <laughs> does, does it look sometimes like people just have a blessed life? Yes? And I know we're Christians here so we probably would never get into any form of jealousy regarding that. But sometimes it just looks like people have it easier. From the outside it looks like everything's going well for them and the hand of God is upon their life and they're just enjoying and living out the dream of God and then there's me. And if you're anything like me you have to get up and brush your teeth. I think that's always a good idea. Comb your hair, what's left of it in my case. And heave yourself into something that doesn't fit too well and step towards the day, hoping and trusting that somehow God will turn up in all kinds of ways. Amen? It just looks sometimes that it's a little unfair, <laughs> that some people seem to have a different kind of life. I, I call it the Facebook life. Have you noticed nobody ever has a problem on Facebook? Life is fabulous on Facebook. If only we could just live there eternally with no problems, no difficulties. You eat the finest food on Facebook, have you noticed? What is it with you people that show me what you're eating? I'm only interested in what I'm eating. But thank you anyway. You're always on holiday on Facebook. Your marriage is perfect, your kids are incredible. Your life and your job, well you just have to pinch yourself. And if you don't, we will. Because it's all going so great. And I think sometimes when we look at some people's lives, as Christians, sometimes it feels that they seem to have the kiss of heaven on everything that they're doing. And it's true to say that God loves everyone equally. That's true, isn't it? But not everyone appears to have the same measure of God's favor. When I was in Glasgow pastoring, a young lady came to me and she was so excited to be going out to Mozambique. She was working there with Heidi Baker in Iris Ministries. And, and we were standing in the reception area of the church and she was just a beautiful young lady, just so full of Jesus and so full of compassion for broken lives. And she was talking to me about her, her great adventure ahead, you know, what she was going to do, how it was going to happen, and all the wonderful time she was going to spend in the company of Heidi Baker and Roland. I didn't have the heart to tell her there's like 300 or 400 people on the school that she was going to, and she would see them, but probably not quite as intimately as she anticipated. And right in the middle of our conversation, she just dropped a bomb. She said to me, of course, you know, this is happening to me because I'm God's favorite. Well, I was incensed because I'm God's favorite. <laughs> Can God actually have two favorites? I think we're all God's favorite, aren't we? That's good to remind ourselves of because that may not necessarily be the PR of the world concerning you, but as far as God and his opinion of you is concerned, you are his favorite. So God loves us all equally, but we don't all operate or live in the fullness of the favor that he has indeed invited us to. So let me ask a couple of questions that are pertinent to our conversation this morning. We must first, if we're thinking about such things, ask, what is favor? And if you were to think that through, you probably, like me, would arrive at these conclusions. That favor is the idea of some kind of preferential treatment. Don't you just love preferential treatment? 
I think one of the biggest buzzes as a human being is when you're taken out of the crowd and brought to a place of significance. Amen? Come on, tell the truth. Stop. Can you imagine when you're lining up in an airport to get on a plane and someone comes up to you and says, Mr. Foster or Miss whatever your name is, come with me. Come with me. And the executive lounge is your destination and champagne is heaven's divine orchestration. And can you imagine? You all dream of that, don't you? I know that when you're standing in line waiting for your seat, you're always hoping, praying, believing that somehow in some way the favor of God will turn up in a moment like that and you will be traveling wherever you're traveling first class. Because we're God's favorites. And we think that favor should look like that, should be preferential treatment of some kind. Favor denotes acceptance, that somehow there's something quite unique or precious or, or valuable about you and therefore you get treated differently or more exceptionally than just some ordinary individual. Favor speaks of approval, that God approves of you, he delights in you, God's happy with you. But favor also denotes pleasure, that somehow there's something about you that pleases God. God seems to enjoy your company. He seems to value your conversation. He seems to enjoy interacting with you in a particular way. Favor. We all want to grow in favor. Now let me take you to a scripture that I think will be the launching pad for some of the things we're going to think about this afternoon concerning the concepts of favor, what it is, what it isn't, how we access it, what we do with it, what it looks like when it turns up, and how to steward it whenever God begins to bless us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, this is the story of Jesus. He's been with his family, traveled all the way up to the temple in Jerusalem, and he's been preaching and teaching in the synagogue, and people are astounded by all that he has to say. He clearly has the most incredible sense of God about him. And just like every dysfunctional family, you have your incredible moments and they're on their way home, and this has never happened to me, and I don't think it's going to happen just yet, but they forget him. Doesn't it hearten you that even Mary and Joseph sometimes mislay children? Now, I tried to shake our child off a few times, but she's like a homing pigeon. She always comes back. But somehow this dysfunctional family, an ordinary family, they leave behind the precious one, the Lord Jesus Christ, and of course, whenever they go back for him, there's a, a little bit of a conversation that would ensue. If she was an Irish mother, she would have just hit him first and explained second. It doesn't say that in the scriptures. My mother used to beat us in a circle and she would use her hand for every word that she would say. I really don't. I think it was there that my intercession as a child began to grow because I thought whatever she's going to say, make it just three syllables, Jesus, just three words. Because the longer the sentence, the longer the beating. <laughs> but none of that happens in this story. But they start to dialogue with Jesus. They, like the people in the synagogue, were amazed at his teaching. And they began to speak to him about that. And then it says of this, Luke 2 verses 52. Then Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. 
Now pause for a moment. This is the Messiah we're talking about. This is the young man Jesus, the one who has come into this world to rescue us from our sins. This is the King of glory who has come in humility to bring humanity back to God. He is going to grow in wisdom and in stature. But it also adds to that, in favor both with God and man. Now I want to just camp there for a second and remind you of how I believe favor needs to be fashioned in our lives. Is it not true that some of those great moments where you want to be brought to the front of the queue or singled out from amongst the crowd as being great or significant or valuable or special is all about favor in the eyes of man? Is it not true that so much of our lives are driven by that reality? We long to feel significant. We long to make an impact. We long for others to recognize that we have something unique or something special or something valuable to contribute to some arena. Is it not true that we are so often drawn towards that kind of thinking? Well, can I just highlight something for you? It's a profound truth for us. We will never have favor in the eyes of man until we first find favor in the eyes of God. If you want to be valued in the marketplace, you need to turn up in the secret place. You need to come into the presence of God and value your relationship with Him more than the significance of what other people say. Here's the bullet, please. Here's the golden ticket. Is it better that people talk about you or that heaven talks about you? Which is better here on earth? That people think you are valuable, that heaven knows that you're significant? Wouldn't it be awesome to think that you were discussed amongst the angels? That they looked down upon the earth and said, this is one who has given their life completely and utterly to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. They're not looking for man's approval or appreciation. They are dancing to the tune of the love of the Father and their delight is in him and for him. Look how it says here that Jesus grew in stature with both God and man. Jesus' priority throughout the whole of his ministry was to develop the intimacy and the connectivity he could have with the Father. And out of that came some exceptional recognitions. People were astounded and amazed at what Jesus had to say. They were overwhelmed by the power that flowed through his life. They were speechless at his compassion. They were moved when he was courageous and shut down religious voices and opened up the goodness of God. People found him fascinating and disturbing and glorious and indeed engaging and everything about him was otherworldly. But Jesus did not dance for the applause of humanity. He was not looking to grow in the eyes of man in any way. His simple and most pure motive was to be glorifying to God. His investment where favor was concerned was in his Father's presence. So what is favor? Well, the Greek and the Hebrew words translated for favor of the scripture include all of these definitions we're talking about, but they take us a little deeper in our thinking. The Greek word for favor is charis. It means gift. We have special access because of the gift of Christ into something more than we currently have. In other words, God gives us his grace, his charis, his favor, for this reason, purposefully, for the starting point, gloriously, to empower us to become like Jesus Christ. Favor is afforded to us through salvation. 
At my conversion, my sins were forgiven. The record of my wrongs was wiped clean. Hallelujah. And my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. The favor of God, unmerited, unreserved from his behalf, came into my heart and into my life. Through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, I have accessed the favor of the one who was great. But this unmerited favor includes not only being forgiven of sin, it's also having access into the presence of God in exactly the same way that Jesus had access to him. So, favor is God's blessing upon our lives. His gift to us. His invitation for us. And we gain it through salvation. Not through human effort or works. It's a gift of God. And everybody who's born again. Do we have any born again people here? You have received favor from God. Favor to enter into his presence. And favor to become like him. Hallelujah. So what is favor for? Well, favor provides us with two dynamics. The first one is this, access. We have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, you and I will have many conversations in the week that lies ahead. You, perhaps if you are the kind of person I suspect you are, have lots of intelligent people around you, lots of exceptional people around you. But can I promise you this? No one that you will speak to this week is as intelligent as God is himself. No one you converse with has the wisdom and the power and the manifest goodness that God has. To have access into his presence is to have a resource for life here on earth. To live with him, to live abiding in him, to live enjoying him is our heavenly mandate here on earth. That's why we can't just visit the presence of God. We must live in the presence of God. Ephesians 6.18 says to be in the spirit at all times. Why would I only go occasionally into God's presence whenever God desires to fully engage with me consistently regarding his presence? So we grow in favor when we use the favor we have been given through salvation to know God, to pursue God, to give our lives over to him. In fact, can I just say something about this? I think sometimes we think these glorious invitations of God are actually attached to some other things that actually don't bring value. Everything God gives you is about you coming deeper and deeper into relationship with him. If you have a word of knowledge, it's not to impress another person. It's so that you know who God is. If you move in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not so that somebody else is impressed by your powerful life. It's so that you can have a deepening relationship with the God who delights in him. Every revelation from the scriptures is meant to draw you closer, deeper, into the heart and the nature and the person of God. Everything that God gives us is about facilitating the relationship he wants with us. Someone say amen to that. Amen. God is available to those who execute their favor in seeking his heart and knowing him and abiding in him and enjoying him. The whole salvation story is about relationship. To know him as father to delight in him, to be called into his presence is our most glorious and most fabulous invitation. But as we pursue God, something else happens. As we use our favor to pursue God, we start to be opened up to some other things. We end up becoming very good receivers. 
As we abide in God's presence, we become conditioned by his presence to become exceptional and receptive individuals to who God is. You know, can I just say this to you? I think one of the things that gets lost sometimes in the way that we do church is that we don't know how to receive from God. You know, we want to receive from God. Is there anybody here who wants to receive from God? Now, can I just say, if you're not receiving from God in the private place, why would you think that in the public place it would be any different? If there is a dysfunctionality in the way you're connecting with God privately, do you think it evaporates at the door when you come into somewhere that's public? Of course, what happens in secret determines what happens in public. It's the nature of God to bless us privately. And in fact, it's a greater priority to us to seek that blessing in a private setting than it is to seek it in a public setting. It's important for us not to put all of the emphasis on our gatherings. It's in our private times with God where God wants to speak. Now God does speak in our gatherings. Hallelujah. Hopefully he's speaking to us today. But I want to abide in his presence and live with him in unity in such a powerful way that whatever environment I'm in, I'm able to be receptive to the sound of his voice and the leading of his spirit. I want God to conform me to his image in his presence so that when I'm in a public setting, my character is already established and I know what decisions I have to make and what choices are afforded to me. I want to abide in the presence of God and be so marinated by him that when I walk into a room, the atmosphere changes. That something that God has done in me starts to filter through me. So we are given favor to pursue him. Someone say amen. amen. And we are given favor to receive from him. Jesus had a measure of favor, but he was about to grow in favor in the eyes of God and both man. In other words, it takes favor to get favor. You have favor, church. But what have you done with the favor that God has given you? You see, not only have we been given favor, but if we want to grow in favor, we have to invest that favor in relationship with God and indeed in connecting with those around us. God has given you favor. Favor that's unique to you and him. It's a very specific way that God would speak to you or minister to you. He revealed himself in lots of ways that are tender and heartfelt for you that may not work for someone else. I love the fact that God has the capacity to reach us all with his presence. I love the fact that I don't have to be or do it like someone else to receive from God. That I can be who I am and God knows who I am and he knitted me together in my mother's womb and he knows what moves me and he knows what shapes me. I know the fact that when he speaks and he ministers to me, he does, it, he does it with a great sense of clarity because he knows how my soul will be affected by the things that he says to me. But you know, I may have favor, but my question today is, what have I done with that favor? And the, the sober reality for much of us is that we've been so distracted by other people's favor, we haven't maybe spent time to think about where favor lies for us. Do you know that you have a unique favor in your life? You need to know what that is. God is ministering and has ministered to you in a particular way. Let me give you an example of that. Is there anyone here this morning who has discovered him to be the father they always wanted? Three of us. That's really exciting. Thank you. Now, what I mean by that is not that we have a theology that he's a good father, but we have a reality that he's a good father. Now, if God has chosen to reveal himself that way to you, okay, you have a favor in relationship to him as a father. Your relationship will, will sound 
different as a result of that. It will be intimate and passionate and powerful. Safety will be a byproduct. Trust will be there. You see, the revelation brings about that connection with God in a particular way, and you have a favor in that, a favor that needs to be stewarded. It's not enough just to have a revelation of God. What are we doing with what we've been shown? What are we, what are we doing with the favor that's been deposited in our lives? Now, I've noticed a couple of times that I have some areas of favor in my life. They won't mean anything to anybody else in this room, but they're little ways in which God begins to show me that his affection. And one of the ways he does it is through getting things for free. Now, don't be jealous of my favor. Steward your own favor. Now, I want to tell you this. I never really noticed this in my life. I just thought it was because I was Irish. I thought Irish people were like that. We just have the gift of the gab and we keep talking till you give in. But a number of years ago, I noticed that if I went certain places, people wanted to give me things. <laughs> this week, I have a couple of testimonies about where the favor lies for me with God. I was invited out to lunch partway through the week with a colleague of mine, and we're going to this nice little restaurant. He's paying. I'm delighted. Favor. Favor. <laughs> And the, the, the restaurant is full and um, it's a kind of a business meeting so we needed somewhere quiet to speak and so he said why don't we go outside into the kind of garden area and uh, you know this garden area has great canopies over it but if you were out and about shopping on Wednesday it was raining. And so I'm sitting in a chair, he's talking and I can feel the rain on the back of my neck and he says you're getting wet aren't you and I said yes I'm just getting a little bit wet and he said let's move somewhere else and so we moved into the center of this garden area and these canopies were huge you know we we're right in the safest place as far as rain was concerned and we're talking and he's telling me some things and I'm writing some things down it's a business meeting and then suddenly one of the people who are helping in the restaurant decides it would be a great idea to poke the canopy so we're just chatting away and this guy takes a stick and he starts to poke the canopy. Well, the heavens opened over me. That's all I'm saying to you. I was baptized afresh, saturated, and I'm standing there dripping. And my friend is saying, I'm just so sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, this was a business meeting. I'm just so sorry. And, you know, I said, it's okay, it's okay. And so the guy is oblivious to this. The guy who's poking the canopy with the stick. He does it again and another wave of blessing comes my way. Okay. And before I know where I am, I, I look like I have been standing under a shower for 20 minutes or something. Every part of me is wet. And so the manager comes. And I love managers. Let me tell you why I love managers, because when I see a manager, I see a moment. I see a moment. So the manager comes towards us, and he's all apologetic, and he's saying, I'm so, so sorry, I can't believe that's happened, is there anything I can do for you? Thank you, Jesus. And I say to him, well, actually, there is. There is. And I said, could we have our food for free? <laughs> now, clearly the manager has met someone like me before. So he says, how about halving the bill with us? I said, how about paying the bill for us? But my colleague was so embarrassed by my favor 
that he said, oh, we'll pay half of the bill. And so we left with, I act for free. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's good. Favor. It doesn't end there. We were invited by a friend of ours to celebrate Shane and our 25th wedding anniversary and our daughter's 21st and she lives over in Bristol, this young lady, and she invited us to the Savoy. Yes, yes. Be impressed, be impressed, be impressed. <laughs> and so we went along to the Savoy for afternoon tea. Yes, it's like a pantomime now, isn't it? And, and during the course of this very posh event, um, a young lady comes to service at the table and she brings these cakes that you would never buy, but you will eat because they're expensive, you know what I mean. And, and, and she says, I hear it's your 25th, you're celebrating your daughter's 21st also. Let me give you a free glass of champagne. It's a favor. Okay. So she goes off and she comes back with a tray of champagne, there's four or five glasses on it. And she goes to place one on the table, and she spills the whole thing over us. And so, out of the corner of my eye, I see a man rushing towards us. It's the manager. I think, Heavenly Father, this is a moment. So he offers to dry clean this young lady's dress and she whispers to us, the dry cleaning will cost more than the garment itself. <laughs> and he says, is there, these are words to my ears, is there anything I can do for you, sir? Is there anything I can do for you? I said, actually. And you know, it wasn't even my, I wasn't the person paying for the bill. <laughs> but, but our friend, she, she said, well, actually, she could see my eyes. I was, re read, read. She said, well, actually there is, and we ended up with, well, multiple blessings. Let me just put it that way. Now, that doesn't look like it's much, and it may just be something that's a personality, but actually, as I look back over my life, there are little ways that God reminds me of his affection for me. They don't look like that for other people. There may be something else. It may be a sunrise. You just catch a glimpse of the glory of God. It, it may be some other way or someone being kind to you and suddenly your heart melts. But all day, every day, God has this unique way of demonstrating to you and to me in a very, very beautiful way his glorious desire to reveal that we are his favorites. That we are his favorites. Now, what are you doing with what you've been given? Because there will be areas of your life too, different areas maybe. Don't go to the Savoy, I've already got the... Jesus said, wherever you place the soles of your feet. <laughs> if I see you there... <laughs> yeah, it's be doubtful we'll ever go back. Because as we were leaving, both Jane and this young lady knocked over all the glasses on the way out. And I think they were so glad to see the back of us at the end of it. Praise God, anyway, for all the free things we got. Hallelujah. I was going to push for a room for the night, but only lived 20 minutes up the road. I thought that was a bit excessive. But favor. 
I have a friend and, and he's just the kind of person that everybody likes. I just think that's not fair. <laughs> Don't you? You could not be angry with this young man if you tried. He's a minister, he passes a church in the Elam movement and he came to work with us for a while but you know, every room he walks into, everybody wants to be his friend. He has just got the most wonderful way, whatever age the person is, of making them feel like their family. Now, when I was chatting to him about favor in his life, I realized that's a gift. God somehow, in his glorious invitation to this young man, has opened up possibilities through him. For some of us, it's finance. You have this glorious ability to turn trash into treasure. For others, you just have this incredible capacity to stand in a moment with great clarity about what the solution is to a problem that people are facing. For others, you see opportunity to serve where other people want to be served. And God opens up something wonderful for you. You have been given favor by God. God has assigned to you a portion that's a blessing to you. It's his way of blessing and ministering to you. It's his smile over your life. And you've got to discover what it is. Because if you don't know how it works, you won't know how to work it. So Jesus had favor. You have favor. But he also had to grow in favor. Now how do I grow in favor? Well I grow in favor when I make it all about God. You see for me in any of those moments and they repeat themselves and have over the years, it always leads to a conversation. Here, here's one of the problems I have and it's one of the promises I have at the same time. Nobody ever believes I'm a minister. You can understand why, can't you? You know, and often when I'm chatting to people and things like that happen, they usually ask the question, what is it about you? Or what do you do for a living? Or the favor always opens up something where God is able to be glorified in. It isn't about the Savoy or it isn't about the restaurant. It isn't about other things that the Lord has done. It's about the blessing, the kiss of heaven on someone's life, that whenever you turn up in a place, they just feel something's different. They feel something's changed, something's altered. But you know, favor does not come without difficulties. Favor always has adversity attached to it. In fact, when you see great favor on someone's life, you will find that they have battled and struggled and worked through that process so many, many times that actually something has formed in them, has been fashioned in them as a result of that which has been against them. Everyone in this room, if you're a born-again believer, is positioned for favor. But how effectively you are stewarding your favor, only you can answer. But when we seek God's face, when we use our favor to, to honor him and to bless him and to relate to him, I believe God will increase the favor that he's placed upon our lives. Turn with me, would you please, to Luke chapter 1 verse 28. This is the story of a young lady who had great favor. She's probably about 14 or 15. By all accounts, she's not that impressive in her community. Her favor in the eyes of others is not necessarily recognizable from the texts. But somehow she had attracted the attention of God. The young lady I speak of is a young woman called Mary. In Luke chapter 1 verse 28, the angel of the Lord turns up in her ordinary life and he's about to offer her an extraordinary invitation. It says in verse 28, the angel of the Lord went to her and said, 
Greetings, you who are highly favored. And look at the evidence of what it means to be highly favored. It's the following five words. The Lord is with you. Now Mary did not understand what was happening to her. But she did not doubt that it was God. Ignorance can ask a question, but unbelief always demands a proof. Mary was seeking understanding. And this is how she responded to the invitation to be highly favored in relationship to God. She said, how can this be? I am but a virgin. However she responds, it's clear that her heart is engaged in such a way that she says yes to God. Now look down a little bit further into the text. Luke chapter 1 verse 38. And this is Mary's response to the invitation to experience and to value and to enjoy the favor that's placed upon her life. It says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know, church, you have a measure of favor, but you need to respond to that favor with this reality. Lord, I know that you have placed favor on my life. Be it unto me according to your word, O God. Lord, I know that you and I together will work through what this favor really turns into, all the blessings and the smiles of heaven that will come my way, the intimate relationship that will come with you as a result of the glorious way in which you have revealed favor to me will draw me to this place, Lord God, of exceptional blessing. But the blessing, Father God, in my life cannot just be about me. It has to be about how it affects other people too. Now, there's no one else in the Bible where it says that Anyone was highly favored in the same manner in which Mary was favored by God. But let me explain something to you. Favor is not an invitation to an easy life. In fact, I would say the opposite. When you have extreme favor on your life, you will have extreme opposition. And it will come from the people closest to you. It will come from those who know you better than anyone else. And that's exactly what happened to Mary. Mary was given this glorious invitation to live as the highly favored one of God. And in the same breath that she praises Jesus, in the same relationship with God that she had, God did not shut down the mouth of her family. He did not shut down the mouth of her enemy. Mary had huge problems. Let me tell you what they were. She was a young woman outside of marriage who was pregnant. Now in our society, that's a familiar narrative, but in this context, that's an extreme. There's absolutely no way she would know how to communicate that. Firstly, to Joseph, her betrothed. Can you imagine the kind of conversation she had to have with this man who had kept himself and she had kept herself for? Now, I don't know what your heart is in that, but I would find that extremely difficult to put into words what the Lord had invited her to. And yet she does it. And she does it jeopardizing in part, the possibility of this relationship turning into marriage. Highly favored, yes. But great adversity, absolutely. Now, if that conversation was difficult with Joseph, what would it have been like with her father? I don't know what you talk about around your kitchen table, but can you imagine this coming up? By the way, mom and dad, I've got some news for you. I know this sounds a little bit crazy, 
but I'm pregnant with the Messiah. You can imagine her father jumping to his feet and saying, hallelujah, and putting money in the offering, can't you? You can imagine her mother doing a dance. None of that would have happened. This was a huge moment. Highly favored. Greatly persecuted. Mary, who was highly favored, had one of the most difficult lives. But let me tell you this. When you have favor in your life, church, there is nothing or no one who can steal from you what God has given you. Or they may have an opinion. Opinions are like faces. Everybody's got one. They may write a tweet or a Facebook page on your life. But if God has promised you that you have favor in your life, there is no weapon, whether heavenly or earthly, no mouth, whether spiritual or physical, that can steal from you what the Lord has given you. And you need to stop blaming everybody else that you haven't arrived at this great place. I would like to suggest to you that God has deposited favor in you. My question this day is, you, have you stewarded that favor? You see, because if we believe it's true that no weapon fashioned against us can prosper, then we can't blame everybody around us that we haven't arrived into the fullness of our dreams. You can't have one aspect of that and not the other. If greater is the God who is with you than anything against you, then the favor he has placed upon you cannot be thwarted by the people around you. It is you who have cut off your own inheritance, cut off your own blessing, cut off your own sense of purpose in God. So stop blaming everybody else. Stop comparing yourself to everybody else. When you see somebody else enjoying the favor of God, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Because you may be next, and if your heart attitude is good, then God will begin to move in you. So favor, you have favor. Are you growing in favor? In the eyes of God, that's your first investment. Your favor is given to you to develop relationship with him. God is highly affectionate. You know, every time something like that happens to me, it reminds me that God is with me. It reminds me that God is for me. Now, what's interesting about the timing of those things, they often come in the midst of great adversity. And I am always surprised by the kindness of God in moments like that. It's almost like I've forgotten that I'm his son. It's almost like I've forgotten that he's promised to stay with me. And suddenly he turns up in that kind of way. What people see is an outward working of what happens between him and me. I never had a father who could take care of those needs. I've worked since I was four years of age. God has reminded me over and over again that he is the father I always wanted and he will be the supplier of all my needs according to his riches and glory. I am no longer an orphan. I am a co-heir with Christ Jesus. His favor turns up to reveal to me his heart for me as a loving father who delights to bless me in ways that I can receive blessing. Now favor... It reveals the affection of God 
to your heart. I remember one time in, in Birmingham, Jane, you remember it too, where life was a little bit challenging. And um, I went out to start my car and it was the bleak midwinter and the car wouldn't start. Oh, I felt so in love with Jesus that morning. <laughs> I was just praising the Lord. And you know what was worse is we had just taken out a loan to buy this blessed car and it never started this car. And my brother sold it to me, which is even worse. <laughs> and so absolutely furiously, I start walking towards the church. Now the church back then was about two miles away from the house and um, I started walking. And you know, if you've ever been in a moment like this, your head's down and you're... And I slipped because it was icy and hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is so good. <laughs> and as I slipped, and I used to wear a suit in those days. I used to be able to get into a suit in those days. As, as I slipped, all of this side of my, my suit was saturated and wet. And because I was like 10 inches away from the ground, I could just... I opened my eyes to see what I thought was just the most beautiful revelation of God for me. Because if you've ever been out on a frosty morning, it's like God bejewels the world. It's just this beautiful array of a, a spectrum of color. And I, I started to cry. And this is why I cried. I said, God, you caused my car not to start. You let me slip in the ice. So I could see your glory. I could see your glory, God. You took me down off my high horse, my sense of injustice, and you brought me to a place, Lord God, where just like you always do, you reveal to me how beautiful you are. Well, you know, I got up from that place and I was praising God. And I mean sincerely praising God, not the gritted teeth praising God, the heart alive praising God. By the time I got to church, I could take the world on. Everywhere was amazing. God was fantastic. Oh, hallelujah. When God reveals his favor to you, it'll always come out of your personal relationship with him. And he chooses a unique way to reveal himself to you. Now, favor should cause us to live intentionally. Now, this is the last thing I'm probably going to say to you before we draw our time to a close. I should live not just in the reality theologically that I have been highly favored of God. I should live also stewarding the favor that God has given me. But I need to understand how he interacts with me in that favor. It's very unique and it's personal. But I need to live intentionally. You see, for me, walking into a restaurant and expecting something free isn't me being arrogant. It's me being intentional. Okay, when I talk to somebody, I expect them to give me something. <laughs> it isn't me being presumptuous, it's me being intentional. Okay? Now when I say give me something, I'm not talking about handing me things. I'm talking about the favor of God is going to be in this conversation. I'm talking about the something heavenly about to happen here. Favor should cause us to wake up every day asking the Holy Spirit, what is going to happen today? Where are you going to turn up in my life and reveal to me 
that I am your favorite. And Lord, beyond that, what are you going to give me that I can give away to others so that they can see that they're your favorites too? We need to live intentionally in our favor and from our favor, relationally with God and indeed expectantly in our world because actually that's the place where the Holy Spirit begins to move in power in our lives. You know, one of these, these things about God's favor in my life is that I actually expect people to listen to the things I say to them when I'm chatting to them. Now obviously it didn't work with you lot, but for the people on the streets when I chat... So when I go to talk to somebody, I don't expect to be rejected. Do you know that you can have a bitter root expectation? If your expectation, that's faith in other words, if your expectation is that people are not going to listen to what you have to say, then I can almost guarantee you that people won't listen to what you have to say. Because your expectation creates that environment. But if you're walking towards somebody and you think they need to know what I have to say, whether they want it or not, hello, how are you? Okay, then I have an expectation they're going to receive something from God. It's called living intentionally. And it's important for us to know that when we live in our favor, which is primarily about relationship with God and God changing us to be like him, and we live from our favor, which is that wonderful sense of the unique way in which God seeks to bless us, and we steward that favor with the best of our intentions, both with God and with the way we live our lives, not blaming anyone else, what happens is we release favor in other people's lives. God begins to awaken other people to the reality that they are his favorites also. How many of us here today are delighted that you are already highly favored in the Lord? How many of us here today need to steward that favor a little bit more carefully and a little bit more intentionally? How many of us here today are delighted that God ministers to you in that area of your favor very uniquely and very specifically. And how many of us know that that's not just about you being reminded of the goodness of God, but it's an invitation to those around you to see that God is good and everything that you're living actually has value and worth in moments and times and seasons like that. Jesus grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, and he grew in favor both primarily with God, and then the outflowing of that was with man. In the Lord's Prayer, the disciples come to Jesus, and they are utterly, utterly overwhelmed by who he is. They cannot fathom or understand the way he has impact on people's lives. They've watched the most incredible compassion being demonstrated by him to people that were outside of the parameters of respectable society. Breathtaking, glorious revelations of the heart of God for all people. They've seen his power to raise the sick from their sick beds, to bring healing to the leper. They've, he's, they've seen all eyes open and ears unplugged, and people who've been in wheelchairs and, and, and paralyzed unable to walk for years or never walk, stand in the presence of Jesus. They are utterly overwhelmed. When he speaks, he speaks like no other person ever spoke. He speaks with authority and clarity. And more than that, all kinds of things happen as a result. So they come to him and they say, what is it about you, Jesus? Who are you? How can you do what you do? And Jesus says, you know, it's about my intimate relationship with God. Matthew chapter 5 and 6. It's the way I live in relationship with God. We call it the Lord's Prayer. 
And then he highlights some things to them. This does not come about by the model that you've seen. People standing on street corners, pontificating spiritual truths. If you want to know how this happens, if you want to know what that favor looks like, if you want to live with that kind of reality, go into your room, shut the door. And what happens between you and God in private will turn up in public. Favor. I pray God's blessing on your favor.